Alright, if you think Romans is hard, I think Galatians is way, is way worse. Galatians is a really, really difficult letter to understand. And one of the reasons why, uh, is, and we'll look at it very briefly because I'm going to confuse you as much as I'm going to confuse myself when we, when we do it. That in chapter 3, we don't know when Paul's quoting himself or when he's quoting them. If you read chapter 3, Paul's going to quote scriptures. But the scriptures he quotes contradicts his own argument. And so it's like, well, you must be quoting them. And then the next verse, you're using that verse to rebut them. It's kind of like a Jehovah's Witness says, they like this verse here, and we're like, but look, I can't mean that, because this verse over here means this, right? And, and if this verse over here means this, then this verse over here that you're saying can't mean what you think it says. Paul seems to be doing the same. So as we go through Galatians 3, he's, he's not quoting verses to justify his own argument. He's quoting verses that they're using and then quoting another verse to rebut that. And, then we gotta, and that's hard to figure out. So now, let's go to the book of Galatians. All right, first thing is this. Let, this time we do need to pay a little attention to the geography and the map and, 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 and the book of Acts. Um, and here's what's going on. And I can make this a little bit bigger uh, the best I can. Um, but Galatians is very likely Paul's first letter. Okay, so this is the beginning of Paul's writings. Uh, Paul's new to the stage of being a missionary, right? Uh, an evangelist and an apostle. Uh, he's gone on, on his first missionary journey, recorded in Acts 13 and Acts 14. So if you read those two chapters, you'll kind of get the story of Iconium, uh, uh, Lystra, Derb, and Pisidian Antioch, and, uh, and all that, with, with Barnabas. Uh, they've gone on that very first missionary journey. They, they left um, Antioch and Syria, and they traveled through this region, the eastern side of modern-day Turkey. Now, this map here has Galatia way up here. We believe that Galatia extended down to probably Lystra and Derb, maybe even Iconium, at this time. At this time. So the book of Galatians was not written to a church, but to a region, meaning a group of churches. So Romans was to the church in Rome, right? Uh, um, Corinth to the church, Corinthians to the church in Corinth. Galatians is a region, not a city. And it's a group of churches that Paul planted on his very first missionary journey. Now, that brings us back to that Jewish, Christian, Gentile, Christian dynamic, because this is the beginning. Paul has gone to Galatia, and told the churches there, and went in the synagogues, right? And then in the, later on in the marketplace, etc. And told them about how Jesus was the fulfillment of all God's promises. And Gentiles began speaking in tongues. Showing evidence. I think it's speaking in tongues. And I think most scholars and commentators would agree. Showing evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit's central to Paul's argument here. Uh, so they're, being, they're showing evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Jewish people, especially those from Jerusalem, are coming up from Jerusalem and causing problems. Paul has now gone to, back to, to, to Antioch. He's gone home. In the meantime, Jewish Christians from Jerusalem go up to Galatia and start causing all kinds of controversies. No, 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 no. Paul's right. Jesus is the fulfillment. But you also have to become circumcised. Mm. Because salvation is from the Jews. And if you want to be a child of Abraham, you have to be a physical child of Abraham before you can become a spiritual child of Abraham. And they're causing all kinds of problems. Now, it's not just problems, by the way, because the apostles are still wrestling with this. If you study Acts carefully, you'll notice that the disciples are having 
trouble with this themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna digress for just a minute if you, if you allow me to. In Mark 7, now note Mark's gospel was likely written with Peter as the source, right? Mark and Peter are very close. We'll see that in 1 Peter where Mark is mentioned there uh, also. And Mark is writing every story in the Gospel of Mark, Peter's an eyewitness to. In Mark 7, Jesus says, all foods are clean. Mm -hmm. This is Peter remembering years later. Because in Acts 10, Peter is still hesitant about going to the Gentiles. Right? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. Remember Acts chapter 1. But they don't go. Remember I said this, I think, a couple weeks ago when we did the book of Acts. They don't go to, to, to Samaria and the ends of the earth until Paul begins persecuting the Christians. Stephen Stone in Acts 7, Acts 8, Paul begins the persecution, and they were scattered. Peter ends up in the coast of uh, Joppa, uh, uh, the, the coast. It's kind of Samaria, basically, the, the coast of Israel. Uh, and he has a vision of clean and unclean animals. Get up, kill, and eat. No way, I won't do it. Don't call unclean what I have made clean. Remember that story? Three times. At the same, when he finishes the vision, he wakes up and he hears some men have been sent from, from uh, Cornelius, a Roman centurion, uh, uh, from Caesarea down to Joppa to find Peter. Because they were told, hey, send for Peter. Peter's like, okay, I guess I better go. God just gave me a vision and said all things are clean. These guys are knocking at my door. Uh, right, uh, the miraculousness of the event. Peter goes up north and he enters a Gentile's home. This is recorded Acts. He enters a Gentile's home. And he says, you all know it ain't legal for me to be here. It's like, what are you talking about, Peter? This is Acts 10. It's, of course it's legal. He's talking about his culture. I was raised and mama told me I can't go in your home. But he does. He begins preaching a sermon, and if you look at the sermon in Acts 10, it's an outline of the Gospel of Mark, which confirms Mark's source is Peter. And while he's preaching in Acts 10, the Holy Spirit falls on them, which again is likely they're speaking in tongues, and Peter's like, who's to keep these men from being baptized? Mm -hmm. Acts 11, word has gotten to Jerusalem what Peter did, and they're angry, it says. So Peter comes to Jerusalem and says, hey, look, here's what happened. And you can see him just defending himself. I, I had a vision. I didn't want to go. God says, go. I'm like, okay. I shouldn't call any man unclean, you know, that God made clean. I go into the guy's house. I preach a sermon before I even did the altar call, right? Because we all know people can't get saved without an altar call. Before I even did the altar call, they're speaking in tongues. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. And they're like, okay, we get it. Right? You all understand what I meant by that, right? right. Um, and so... You see Peter having trouble with this. Now open Galatians chapter 1. Because this is likely after that event. Galatians chapter 1. And Paul says, um, uh, actually, let me see. Uh, I can find it in my Bible better than I, f I can on the screen. I'm sorry, it, it, is, it is 2. I'm sorry, it's 2. Sorry. Uh, Galatians 2, 11. Galatians 2, 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, and Cephas is Peter, um, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. I think the NIV says he was clearly in the wrong. All right, right? 
For prior to the coming of certain men from James, and James is the brother of Jesus, not the, not the apostle James, not the uh, uh, brother of John, the apostle, that, that apostle, but the other apostle James, the brother of Jesus, who's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. When certain men came from James, he, being Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Barnabas? What are you talking <coughs> Barnabas was with Paul when he went to all those churches. Barnabas saw the church in Galatia and how they were fulfilled the Holy Spirit without being circumcised. This tells you the dynamic and the, and the tension that's going on with these Jewish Christians and the pressure that they're putting on the rest. Now for Paul, actually let's do, let's do this. And um, I, put, I did a little search here uh, on the Greek word, uh, uh, which means Thanksgiving, Eucharisteo. Right, and what I want you to notice is Philippians chapter 1. Actually, it should have, I should have more than that. There, there you go. Uh, Roman, Romans chapter 1, I give thanks. It, it's where, it basically would be translated as I give thanks. Um, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Philemon chapter 1. Not Galatians. Now, you also don't have 1 and 2 Timothy. And you also don't have Titus. But notice, 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus are definitely written to individuals. Philemon's written to an individual. So Philemon's the exception of letters written by Paul to individuals that begin with thanksgiving. Otherwise, letters to individuals don't follow the same format of letters written to churches. Letters written to churches always begin with a thanksgiving. All right, so when I was a little kid, I used to write a letter to my grandma when we moved out from Boston to California. Dear Nana, how are you? I am fine. I, I remember when I was like five years old, I always said the same thing. All right, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, maybe with Timothy or with Silas, or, or right, to the church in fill in the blank, right? I give thanks to God the Father for you all. When you open up Galatians, let's go back to Galatians chapter one now. And note, we're going to note, obviously, that the word thanksgiving is not there. All right, Galatians 1, 1. And note what he says there. Um, he, he introduces himself, Paul's an apostle, to all the brothers and sisters with me to the church in Galatia. Grace to you and peace, verse 3. All right, um, verse 6. I am so astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who calls you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really not a gospel at all. Right? Verse 8, if, even if we are an angel from heaven should preach the gospel other than what we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. There ain't no thanksgiving. There's a serious warning here, folks. You guys have deserted the God. Barnabas and I were just there. We just preached the gospel to you. And you know you were filled with the Spirit of God without being circumcised. And now you're making people circumcise you? I'm telling you, that's a different gospel. And if you believe it, you're cursed. Wow. When you're used to hearing, now mind you, I say used to hearing, this is the first letter of Paul, but Paul's letters follow a customary format. That's how you write letters. So if they're going to receive a letter from Paul, they're going to expect a thanksgiving at the beginning of the letter. 
and they don't get one. They get, we're cursed. Right? So this, this letter is like, oh. And, and note the, the, the tension there, because when these guys came up, even Peter went, st- stopped eating with Gentiles, and even Barnabas was led astray. And I rebuked him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. For Paul, this is an issue of the gospel. Right, and here's why it's so different, and that's this. Because you're making two classes of Christians. You're making first class Jewish and second class Gentile. And if those Gentiles haven't become circumcised, they're second class. We don't eat with them, right? You see the, you see the problem. This is not the gospel. So for Paul, the question of the gospel and what is the gospel is at stake. Now here's where the spirit comes in. Because Paul's proof in the pudding is you got the spirit before you were circumcised. Therefore, I know I'm right. Because if you believe the gospel and you receive the spirit and the spirit is the proof of your belief, then I win. So were they baptized by water? Uh, probably also, right? Y- yes. It appears early on the Christian community was baptizing Christians the moment they, they, they believed. Right? Repent and be baptized, you'll see. Sometimes, sometimes we just say repent, sometimes repent and be baptized. So being baptized and being circumcised. These, uh, so you're saying, what I'm hearing you say, some of the Gentile Jews. Some, some of the Gentiles, Gentiles yeah, Christians. Were baptized and some of them possibly got circumcised. Uh, some of them were being tempted to be circumcised. The Gentiles, you can imagine, were going, I don't want to do that. So I doubt that very many of them had done that. Right? Um, but, but, not, but that's the question. Do they need to? So word now comes back to, to Antioch that, that, that these guys had gone up from Jerusalem. And so Paul quickly writes and says, okay, hey, here's what's going on. No, you do not need to be circumcised. And if you do, you're cursed. Because you're denying the work of Christ. Okay. So let's go to Galatians 1 now and look at that verse that I mentioned to you um, earlier. Actually, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's Galatians 2 again, sorry. Galatians 2. This is going to be the same, and I know Larry, you weren't here, but uh, I'll do my best to clarify it for you. Okay. Um, uh, this is going to be the same thing that, we're gonna, that we saw in, um, I'm reading the NIV here, that's why. Uh, same thing that we saw in the book of Romans. And it's this, let's see. Uh, verse 6, t- uh, 16. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 1. That's why I have a problem here. 2, I think it's verse 16. Uh, I want. Galatians 2, 16. I'm in Galatians 2, verse 16. Galatians yeah. 2, verse 16. Okay. All right, here we go. Yeah. New American Standard says, Nevertheless, we know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by works of the law, since by works of the law no flesh will be justified. Okay, now let me clarify two things. Number one, the phrase works of the law occurs throughout the book of Galatians. And here's another example of we have a lot of references to early 2nd century and 1st century documents from the rabbis. Jewish rabbis who use the phrase works of the law to, as Jewish boundary markers. See, we think works of the law means following all the laws in the Old Testament. Yeah. Right? That's not what they meant. Works of the law were things that distinguished you from Gentiles. And there are three of them. Circumcision, Sabbath keeping, and food laws. 
Circumcision, which some cultures did, but most of the cultures didn't. If you're circumcised, you're Jewish. If you're Jewish, you don't eat certain foods, the food laws, the circumcision food laws. And thirdly, Jews don't work on the Sabbath. And, and by the way, Sabbath keeping means all the festivities. It's Passover and Pentecost. So it's, it, these are boundary markers. They distinguish Jews from non-Jews. Circumcision, food laws, and Sabbath keeping. So when, when, when the phrase works of the law is used by Paul, it has to mean what it means in the rabbis. And it means boundary markers. So what he's saying is, we know that a man is not justified by being Jewish. How's that? Namely, by being circumcised, practicing the food laws, and keeping the Sabbath. But instead, it's through the faith in Christ Jesus, and this is the same problem that we saw in the book of Romans. So now I've, I brought up the Net Bible again, not what the Net Bible did. We know that no one's justified by works of the law, but by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Again, it seems to be, we're not saved by being Jewish. We're saved by Jesus' faithfulness and our belief in him. Okay? And uh, we see that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so, so that we may be justified by faith. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, here we go. We, we, we have, the Net Bible says, we have come to believe in Jesus Christ. So there's our faith. So that we may be justified by his faithfulness. See that? Our belief in him and his faithfulness to the law. He fulfilled the law. And when he did that, what did he do? Well, he eradicated, we'll see this in the book of Philippians, I'm sorry, the book of Ephesians next. He eradicated the boundary markers. So let's go to Galatians 3 now and see, and see this, point, this, part of, this point of the argument. I think we, we're in a good place at this point in time uh, to summarize it all, but let's, let's, let's finish it here. All right, and uh, here we go. Verse 20, Galatians 3, verse 26 and following. So it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. If you have faith in Jesus, you belong. And if you belong, you're children of Abraham. And if you go get yourself circumcised, you're nullifying what Jesus did. And that's why it's anathema for Paul. If, if you go get yourself circumcised, you're saying what Jesus did was not enough. And it's still racial. And Paul's answer is no, it's not racial. Now, if you go earlier in the book of Galatians, I'm, I'm going to save it, because if I think if we, if we delved into to Galatians 3, just bear in mind that the verses he quotes in Galatians 3, sometimes he's quoting them, his opponents, and then quoting another verse to rebut them. Uh, and the, most notably, Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. So basically, people were just giving him all kinds of information, and he just went writing the letter back to them. Yeah, he, he's writing back to them. Now, he's a, he wants to go visit them soon, and, and he will go back and visit them soon. But the letter is going to be the quickest way of dealing with the situation until they're ready to financially and time-wise get back. As he started out writing his first letter. What's that? You said earlier that this was actually his first letter. This is his first letter. This is his first letter. That's right. So, make sense? All right, now, for Paul, one more thing, and that's this. For Paul now, faith in Jesus Christ gives us freedom. 
And I'm going to use air quotes if you're listening, on, uh, listening on, on, online. All right. Freedom now is also misabused by our churches, right? Because again, we think if you believe in Jesus, you're saved, you get to go to heaven, all's good. Well, you really should be good people too, right? We preach moralism. For Paul, freedom means the freedom to love. So Galatians 5, where he contrasts the, the, the life in the flesh versus the life in the spirit. And he says, don't use your freedom. Galatians 5. It was for freedom. I'll bring it up on the screen. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. But don't use your freedom. Let me see where, where it's going to say that as. To indulge in the flesh. Where is it at? Um, verse 13. For you were called to freedom... Brethren, only don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through the love, serve one another. What's that, Ralph? Byron 13. It, yeah, Galatians 5, verse 13. Okay. okay. And look at verse 14. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. In one statement. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because you're free from the law, because Christ has fulfilled it, you now can fulfill the law, and the law is the law of love. Remember, James is going to call it the royal law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're not free to go do anything we want. We're actually now free to fulfill the law. Yeah, yeah, we're actually free to now fulfill the law because I have the Spirit. By the way, I can do it now, right? Without the Spirit of God, I was a creature of the flesh, and therefore I couldn't do it. With the Spirit, Ezekiel is going to say, I'm going to take your heart of flesh and give you a heart of stone. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you this one where, where you can do I'm going to write that the, the law of stone means I wrote, I wrote the law in your heart right? so, I'm gonna, so now you can do it uh, and you can't be fatal and obviously then Galatians is going to end with the contrast between the, the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit uh, and, and it's interesting to note that he says deeds of the flesh plural and fruit singular we often say the fruits of the spirit are it doesn't say that it says the fruit of the spirit is and it might be that love is the fruit of the Spirit. And that peace, patience, all those are attributes of what love looks like. Love's the fruit. Peace, patience kind of is, what, is how, remember, love seeks the interest of the other first. And therefore it's kind. And therefore it's patience. Patient, right? Therefore it's joyous, etc. Make sense? All right, Galatians 6 then, I, I think is, is great for the lo- local churches. The problem with preaching Galatians is you've got to preach fo- four chapters of, of this it really, really, really difficult argument before you get to Galatians 5 that has this great application for the local church, and that is use your freedom for love, and Galatians 6 then is bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Right? And, and it's, it's just this great summation, summation of it all. Any questions on that? We're trucking right now. Here we go. All right. So 